Welcome to another episode of Demolition Now, the official podcast of the National Demolition Association. Our goal with this podcast is to provide you with a mixture of content and analysis of the issues impacting the demolition industry, along with engaging interviews of industry leaders, experts, and analysts that will provide unique perspectives on the industry today. If you have suggestions for topics for future episodes, please email them to me at kmckenney at demolitionassociation.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Demolition Now through iTunes or Stitcher, available in the Google Play Store. You can also listen to us online through the NDA website. On this episode, NDA Executive Director Jeff Lambert speaks with NDA President Chris Godek about the ongoing COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Then, Jeff speaks with Thomas Trapnell of McAlpine PC about some legal resources that members should consider if their operations are affected by COVID-19. Then, I talk to Veronica Pratt, Account Relationship Specialist with Savings for Members. Veronica explains what Savings for Members is, who it benefits, and most importantly, how NDA members can use their services to save thousands of dollars a year on products and services they are already using. Finally, I'll give a government affairs update and discuss agency resources available to assist members related to the ongoing COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. So stay with us. We'd like to welcome Chris Godek, NDA president to the podcast. Chris would like to share with members a few words on COVID-19 and how he is approaching the near term in his company and personally. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. So what advice do you have for our members as they navigate COVID-19? Well, uh, the, the, the whole environment, the, the COVID-19 world we find ourselves in is, seems to constantly be changing and, and one of, of constant flux. I think the most important thing our membership can do is to almost take things day by day, have a plan in place and, and react when they need to. Uh, I think the day of, you know, having a plan set in stone and expecting no changes from that plan, those, those are kind of far away right now. I think the most important thing we can do is, is re, uh, remain vigilant on how to, how to protect our employees and be ready to, to change some, some ways we do business in the past pretty rapidly and remaining nimble and, and agile is going to be the key going forward. Thanks. That's some pretty, um, that's some pretty good advice. I know with the uh, rapid changing environment, things will be changing day to day, at least for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Um, what are you doing at your company to make adjustments? Uh, we're, we're, we've got a few things going on uh, in the field. We're, we're uh, ramping up PPE, so on a, on a project that typically wouldn't have a respirator or, or uh, Tyvek suits, we're asking our guys to, to wear additional PPE. Uh, we're practicing social distancing. We're limiting crew size to six, seven, or eight or less. And we're figuring out ways to bring more uh, robotic or micro equipment into the mix so that we don't have to have as many employees working in, w- in one small area. At our offices, our, uh, our warehouse and maintenance people are constantly disinfecting, constantly hand washing, and 
just being a little more vigilant and planning a little more on projects, thinking out ahead a little bit more for the potential roadblocks, what the impacts could be on a project that uh, now that COVID-19 is, is a very, um, is, is a re very real issue. Additionally, our, uh, our projects that are being shut down have to be handled in a certain way as well. Uh, documentation, pictures, as well as uh, uh, notice to any stakeholders on the status of the project. Right. What are you um, personally doing to prepare yourself for the day as you get into the office to face some of these challenges? Uh, personally, I uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I uh, usually get up in the morning and uh, I found a little bit of uh, stress relief and a little bit of uh, the term today, I think, is mindfulness or meditation. So I usually get up, try to get a workout in, and, and then just maybe sit for two, three, five minutes and, and reflect. Just just find some peace there because, uh, you know, the problem today is every time we walk in the office with a plan or something that we're going to put into effect or that we are hoping will work out, we get hit with something that, that changes that and spirals it out of, out of uh, control. So trying to find some, some calmness, peacefulness when we can, I think helps, helps us to, to, to better react to changing situations. What are your concerns and how are you approaching the next six months? I know it's hard to um, forecast out six months from now, but what are you doing in the near term to prepare your company? Uh, we're, we're having a lot of concern for employees and how we're going to practice social distancing. So one of the things we're working on now is, is getting our office employees set up to work remotely from home uh, as best we can, project managers and estimators so that we can continue to practice social distancing uh, and, and allow our employees to keep working in the event of further quarantine or isolation orders. Right. Worker safety. Worker safety is another big concern for us on the on our job sites. Um, you know, making sure that our guys are properly trained and practicing good hygiene. I think it's just it's just going to be some changes that uh, that we're going to have to address. You know, in the short term, but that are going to last for for quite a while. Right. Um, any final thoughts uh, you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, some states are, are currently shut down, um, uh, shelter in, in place, um, or, or whatever the terminology the individual states are using. Uh, but one of the things that is, has come of that is the term essential and non-essential employees. Uh, uh, recently, we sent out an email with a petition to for our membership to uh, to, to sign off on to recognize our industry as essential employees, uh, our, our demolition operations, as well as our remedi the remediation contractors that make up our membership, are, are key parts in rebuilding the economy and keeping you know keeping our economy moving forward, as well as creating safe workplaces and environments for other employees of other trades, whether they be end users like hospitals and schools, or for other trades, you know, carpenters, plumbers, and 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 that group of people. I was just gonna say, that's great. Um, you know, a lot of these resources you can find on NDA's homepage under COVID resources if you go under membership on our website. Anything else? I think that's it, uh, Jeff. I, uh, you know, just want everybody to stay safe out there. 
and uh, you know, think before acting. All right. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining us. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Joining us today is Thomas Trapnell from McAlpine PC, a law firm and NDA member specializing in demolition-specific law. Thomas is the author of the NDA legal guidance document on COVID-19, posted on NDA's webpage, COVID-19 resources under the membership section. He joins us today to discuss the specifics of the document. Thomas, thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Can you explain to our listeners what it is you and your law firm do for demolition clients? The McAlpine firm offers demolition clients a full range of services from claim support and claims litigation to various types of transactional matters. We have several decades of experience assisting clients in documenting and negotiating claims and change orders on jobs where there haven't been any disputes yet. On the other hand, if negotiations do fall through, we have several highly experienced claims litigators who can take a case all the way through trial if necessary. And all we do is demolition and construction law. So our clients know that they aren't paying us to waste time and money getting up to speed on basic industry and legal aspects, and that they're also not paying us for services that they don't really need in their demolition businesses. Gotcha. Um, that's certainly very helpful. Um, and um, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to assist our members with the, the uh, document that you put together for us. Um, so I just wanted to dive into the document now um, and ask some specific questions regarding it to help our members as they navigate uh, COVID on their job sites. Um, so why is it important to give uh, owners GCs notice even if COVID-19 has not impacted your job yet? The big reason that giving notice right now is important is that many demolition contracts require notice of potential impacts within deadlines that can be as tight as 24 hours of the contractor learning of the condition. And even if the contractor doesn't yet know that they're being impacted by the condition, if they subsequently do realize they've been impacted, the owner or GC could turn around and say, you knew about this ahead of time, yet we never got a notice from you within 24 hours, so your notice is now invalid. And because you don't know, and none of us really know, what's going to happen on active demo jobs right now because of COVID-19 and the related government health and safety measures, it's very important that you give notice now so that you get the ball rolling and avoid claims and defenses by owners and GCs later on that you violated the subcontract or the contract's notice provision. Great. So basically getting out ahead of the ball on this. That's, that's um, right. So you mentioned tracking impacts in your guide. Uh, can you tell our listeners what specifically they should be tracking in these situations? Sure. After you give your owner or GC the original notice that there's a potential impact from COVID-19, you should track your man hours. You should track your workforce attendance at the job site. You should track costs of PPE, especially any new additional PPE costs related to uh, containment. You should track loss of efficiency. For instance, if the job's been ongoing and you've been taking out quantities at one rate and suddenly after this outbreak occurred, you have delays to efficiency or productivity, you should track that. 
you should track your job costs in excess of your bid estimate for a given stage of work or based on the schedule of values if you have a cost-loaded subcontract. And also, obviously, you should track the changes to the schedule or days of shutdown to the job along with the costs that you incur while you can't work, things like general conditions, employee salaries who have to be paid while they can't work, and equipment rentals for idle equipment. Gotcha. And so then this information then would be used in filing a claim. Um, you know, I'm assuming that all emails to tracking this should be kept somewhere. Is that might be discoverable at some point? Is that correct? Well, all emails related to identifying and quantifying the aspects of a potential claim related to COVID-19 should definitely be organized and kept in a safe location because these are all things that if there is a formal claim made or unfortunately if there's litigation or arbitration about it later, all of that is evidence that's going to help a contractor prove that not only did he track impact and give proper notice, but that he's got all the facts behind him showing exactly what happened to his job. Gotcha. Um, I want to move on to contracts specifically. Um, force majeure has been in the news um, quite a bit, especially as events are being canceled. Um, but why is it important for contractors to check their force majeure? The first reason it's important is that a force majeure clause, if your contract has one, can give you additional relief beyond what you'd ordinarily be entitled to under the general claims provision of your contract. For instance, a lot of demolition contracts say there's no damages for delay. They say that the contractor has no right to ever stop work unless directed by the owner and maybe not even then. And that excess compensation on a claim is only owed to the contractor if the owner pays the GC compensation earmarked for the contractor. If you have a force majeure clause, it could make numerous exceptions to this depending on how it's written, and they can vary as widely as any other type of contract can vary. So it's important to know that you have potential avenues of getting relief outside of what you'd ordinarily know about just from the standard claims part of your contract. The other reason to check your force majeure clause is that they usually require notice, and there can be a different notice procedure for invoking a force majeure clause compared to what you do ordinarily for a notice of claim. And as with claims generally, an owner or GC will often claim that if you gave improper or late notice, then your claim is waived or barred. And finally, it's very um, various, I guess you could say, what types of events are covered in force majeure clauses and which events aren't. So if you have an epidemic, or widespread illness or a public health emergency as one of the specifically listed events under your force majeure clause, it's good to know about it now rather than wondering whether you can possibly get some type of extra relief that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to claim for. Gotcha. One of the questions we've been getting at the office um, has been regarding bonding. Um, so what about bonding companies? Um, what should members do there? You should notify your bonding companies and give them information about the impacts that you're seeing and give them the same information tracking those impacts that you would keep for your own records and give to the owner or GC as part of the documentation that might be required for a claim later on. Because for one thing, it's in the bonding company's interest to assist you 
in determining the merits of your claims and preserving the bond. And also, if there's later a claim by an owner or GC that you defaulted, then the bonding company will already have been on notice of the conditions you're experiencing and will be less likely to take the side of the owner or GC and determine that you, rather than they, defaulted on the job. Gotcha. Um, so speaking of uh, insurance, um, what, um, you know, what can your broker do to assist you? The main reason you want to contact your broker is to avoid losing coverage for business interruption by not notifying the broker as soon as you learn about the possible impact. It's a condition for claiming coverage in many different types of insurance policies, including often for business interruption. If you don't immediately tell the broker what you're concerned about as soon as you know about it, even if you haven't quantified an impact yet, you could lose coverage. Gotcha, that's very important. Um, and I guess finally, you know, why is it important now, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but why is it important now to discuss possible suspension of work with the owner GC? Well, planning ahead is always preferable to having a crisis on a job that catches everyone by surprise. And your owner or GC may be completely open to negotiating a suspension of work and discussing payment terms and rescheduling for the project, discussing how to put all of those things into a change order in a manner that everyone can agree on and negotiate without any type of legal problems. On the other hand, though, if you approach your owner or GC about this and find out that they themselves are losing money, they have no interest in making some type of an accommodation with you, you know that ahead of time too, and you can proceed accordingly in terms of getting your company ready to file a formal claim and even arbitrate or litigate regarding that claim if you find out ahead of time that the owner or GC is, is not amenable to negotiating with you. Gotcha. So uh, any final thoughts um, before, we, uh, before we leave? I guess in general, it's always in everyone's best interest to work together on a job. The problem these days is that the public health and economic situation in this country is deteriorating so fast that it's really unclear how owners and GCs and municipal and state governments will react. And it's pretty foreseeable at this point that some demo contractors could end up with projects that the owner or GC essentially abandons and just doesn't want to bother going forward with, but then claims that the demo contractor defaulted and isn't entitled to any extra costs. And unfortunately, that could put demo contractors in a position where they have no option besides going outside their contract's terms to get relief. Uh, there are ways to do that under many states' laws, but the situation, in short, is just so fluid at this point that it's a time to both try to cooperate but also be prepared as a demo contractor to stand up for yourself. Gotcha. And just a quick note for our listeners, um, this podcast um, does not constitute formal legal advice, and we do recommend that you contact your in-house and or out-of-house um, attorney regarding all of these issues. Uh, but Thomas, can you tell us um, how folks on the podcast can get a hold of you if they have any additional questions? 
Absolutely. Our office, like so many others these days, is under a work from home directive, except when it's absolutely necessary. But you can reach me on my cell phone at 617-835-9574, or you can email me at thtrapnell at mcalpinepc.com. Well, thank you, Tom. We really appreciate it. And we, uh, we really appreciate you putting together that guide for our members um, in such short notice. And uh, we know we'll be hearing more from you. And just as a reminder to our listeners, we do have COVID-19 resources. If you go to membership under the tap, drop down tab, COVID-19 resources, I recommend that you bookmark this page. We will be updating it on a rolling basis. And Thomas, thank you very much and best to you and um, Nick Alpine. Thanks very much, my pleasure. Joining us on the podcast today is Veronica Pratt, Relationship Account Manager for Savings for Members. Veronica, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. So Savings for Members has helped over a million independent businesses across North America. And I think a great way to start would be, how did you guys start? Yeah, Savings for Members is actually a division of a company called CCA Global Partners. Um, not sure if you're familiar, but CCA is a buying group, but tr truly like a purchasing cooperative in which each one of our members owns a piece of CCA Global. You may have seen like Carpet One, Flooring Americas, ProSources, which are some of our flagship divisions. Um, 30 years into our existence, operating in home improvement space, they eventually moved to retail sports, childcare, property management spaces, and realized that we were really good at buying down the cost of core products we sell to our customers, but needed some help lowering our operating expenses. So we started with consumer financing, and at the time, Sears was a big player in the uh, flooring space. They were driving customers in, giving them 0% for 12 months, which was a no-brainer for a lot of people. Small retailers couldn't get the same rates as Sears could, so we aggregated the buying power, just like we did with the core product side, and went out and negotiated on a consumer financing deal. Moving forward, eventually, that program did really well. And so we asked the retailers what other areas they would need help in or did struggle in that led to credit card processing, office supplies, fuel, et cetera. And here we are. Um, you know, we created a new division within CCA Global, known as our national programs team. Their main responsibility was to work directly with our flooring retailers and get them enrolled into, you know, all the other programs, ultimately saving them money. Great. Yeah, that's really neat. And I did see that over $22 million in, in benefits um, or the, that the savings were for members using the service. So that was, you know, really impressive. And so in terms of who the ideal users of the service are. Um, I'd like to ask you about that. Specifically for our association, we have a wide range of different sized businesses. There are very large businesses, small businesses. We have uh, members of our organization who are new. Um, we have some who have been around the organization for 
a number of years. So who, who primarily would benefit from uh, savings for members and um, just, you know, who do you primarily cater to or is it really applicable to a, a wide range? Oh, yeah. So wide range, without a doubt. And, and people, I get this question all the time and, you know, businesses that have, you know, one employee up to businesses that have a thousand employees. I've, I've worked with all of them. I've been here for about nine years. And what I like to tell people is that if you have any operational expenses that are including any type of, you know, office supplies or you're pumping fuel at the station, any kind of gas station or, you know, just to run a business alone, you know, it adds up with all those operating expenses. So I would encourage anyone at any size, um, you know, to come and, talk to us at Savings for Members, and, you know, we help determine what programs would be a good fit. We have a dedicated uh, savings consultant team that actually has been, you know, heavily, heavily trained on, um, you know, we have the tools and resources that we need to identify, like, the best opportunity for that member. Um, and, and really what it comes down to is just, you know, taking a few moments for a quick phone call or to, you know, log in and view their dashboard and, and see what's available to them. Um, but I would encourage anyone at any size, you know, I've, I've dealt with members, like I said, that have one employee up to a thousand and, and granted it is not a one size fits all. So, you know, depending on what space that you're in, you know, we also work with like bakeries and, tools and fasteners and HVAC and, you know, auto, it, the list goes on. So it doesn't mean that we're, our programs are going to be a good fit for everybody, but that's what we're here to do is help identify those programs that are. Well, that's, that seems like it'd be very helpful for a lot of our association's members because in just knowing about the way they conduct business and are uh, functioning on a day-to-day -day basis, they're they're constantly on the move. I mean, they're going from their office to different job sites and they're managing people and doing all kinds of things. And so it seems like, you know, that, that approach of tailoring, um, you know, to that user or to that member um, and learning about their needs seems to be, um, seems to be your approach. And I think that would, that would probably be a great, a great thing. I didn't know if you had any additional thoughts about just that process of learning about those needs or, how you would go about uh, talking to them or just learning more yeah. about how to take how they could take advantage of, of the services. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I attend a show or a conference and, you know, this seems, this always seems to be a, a conversation that people are like, Oh, I've already done what I, you know, I can do in, in with credit card processing or, you know, I just go down to the local store and, and buy, you know, my office products. And, and, and I wouldn't change that. You know, we have, um, I always turn around and ask them the question, well, when was the last time you looked at the pricing for that? Or did you know you already have a, a WEX card in your wallet um, and you have 50 vehicles on the road, for example, and we can save you not only at the pump, but on card fees, activation fees, setup fees without even doing anything, you know, just because they're a member of, you know, the group, they should be maximizing those benefits. And so, you know, to maximize them and get money back in their pocket for being a member as they're paying to be a member, this is one way to do it or to offset the cost of attending a show. So I would, um, 
it, easy as, like I said, the team of consultants that we have. It's a it's an easy call for them to dial in. We're viewing the same screen they are. Um, if they choose not to and they want to do, you know, the chat feature or go to their own personal dashboard and, and just shop around, the dashboard's been built for members not only just to look at but to be extremely user-friendly. So with, you know, one click, two clicks, they could be in touch with a consultant or, you know, maybe the vendor directly. But we have a process in place for every single vendor that we work with to make it as seamless as possible for the member. Well, that sounds great. You mentioned the wide range of, of different users of the, of the service and, and the way that that benefits different people. So I'm sure that you've had just many, many different conversations with all different types of, of those people. And so what would you say are some of the common roadblocks that are preventing people from taking advantage of the benefits or just things either either things that you're aware of that would be the case for that or just things that you hear directly from them what are some of the what are some of those roadblocks and i guess how how would you uh address those or how what, what advice would you give to anybody who's expressing uh those types of challenges or concerns yeah i would i would say that you know although you know a lot of these especially um I'm going to say the mid to large, not necessarily the the smaller businesses. And when I say smaller, I mean like one to 25. And then there's, you know, the middle size bucket or the large bucket. But what I tell people is, you know, I turn around and always ask them the question. So a big roadblock that I always get at conferences or shows or on the phone when talking about credit card processing is, you know, the one simple question is, you know, when was the last time you took a look at your credit card statement. Do you understand it? And do you have a relationship with the actual, you know, bank or, you know, processor that you happen to be working with? And, and really nine times out of 10, the answer is no. And so that alone um, is one of, you know, one of our leading programs. And so I don't care how busy you are. If I could turn around and, and tell you that I could, you know, save you $20,000 and, you know, in credit card fees, you know, that is a program. There's a lot of roadblocks because people are extremely apprehensive to switch. Um, we try to make it the last time you ever have to make a switch. You know, not every processor will know your name. You don't have to dial, you know, dial a number and hit 10 prompts before you get to someone on the other end. Essentially, you know, you dial us, not only do you have the leverage of the group, but you also have leverage of savings for members. And then ultimately, we like this to be the last time you ever made a move and you have a dedicated person assigned to you on the credit card side to answer any questions. You know, literally, I could get them on the phone, you know, within a second of someone reaching out to me through, through text and, and voice. So those are the things that I like to bring, although the savings are definitely you know, a big part of it and a big value when you're dealing with finances and, you know, trust, it's important that you have a provider that you can go to and lean on. And luckily for Savings for Members, because we've, we've worked very hard at building the model and building these programs and negotiating on the member's behalf, because now that we're partnered with over, you know, 90 groups, it, it makes it easy to go to some of these major brands and say, what can you do for us and our members? It's important that members understand that 
you know, they fall into that buying power, which helps us negotiate those deals and, and it won't be overlooked. So I would encourage anybody to take a, you know, quick second, even if, you know, they don't want to deal with it. If they don't want to deal with it and they're asking, we're asking questions they can't answer, then they should be looking at it. Great. So then on that note, uh, I wanted to make sure that we gave our listeners an opportunity to know where they can get some more information about that. And so I know for, uh, for NDA through our website, which is demolitionassociation.com, they can go to our membership uh, menu and then go under member benefits and business discounts from there and they'll find uh, more information. And so I wanted to make sure that we uh, gave you guys an opportunity as well so that if you had any additional information, website resources, things like that, that we could make them available here for members. Um, so I just wanted to see, do you guys have a website? We do. And actually the easiest um, you know, way for members to get to actually all of our programs where they have you know, visibility and the storefront, if you would, which is what we call our dashboard, is by visiting, you know, my S4M, that's the number four. So my S4M.com slash NDA. And that will bring them right there. Um, you know, I would encourage anybody to, to, you know, on, once they reach that page, you'll be able to see, you know, phone numbers, chat features, anything. Anyone can log in there. Um, obviously, our CRM, they have access on the back side. We see everything that's going on. Um, they can also call at 844-346-3746. Well, that's great. <clears throat> we, appreciate, uh, we appreciate those resources very much. And uh, I think this has been really informative. And I think that our, our listeners and members will, uh, for those who haven't, definitely uh, want to get some uh, more information from there. So, uh, Veronica, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it too. And and there's a lot of potential within this, uh, within the group itself. You know, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time, and it's just it's getting the word out and making sure that um, people people or members know where they're going and and really word of mouth. Once we have uh, a couple solid success stories, I'm I'm sure you'll start to see the momentum continue to pick up as it has. Um, over the past year. And um, anything we can do on our side, we're, we're here to help. So thank you again for the opportunity and um, hope you guys have a great day. As the situation surrounding COVID-19 continues to evolve, NDA is committed to ensuring members have the most up-to-date information on legislation and regulations considered by the federal government that impact employers and employees including what the requirements could be for businesses across the U.S. The House of Representatives and the Senate have now passed H.R. 6201, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which provides economic relief to individuals impacted by the COVID-19 outbreak. We have put together a detailed summary of the bill's provisions, which members can access via the NDA website. While NDA supports reasonable efforts by Congress to mitigate the effects of COVID-19, the requirements in H.R. 6201, which require businesses with 500 and fewer employees to provide 12 weeks of paid leave, among other things, presume that demolition contractors have considerable liquidity and a tolerance for debt that simply is not the case. NDA remains concerned with some of the provisions and is mobilizing members to take action now. 
Members can access a customized grassroots alert to lobby their elected officials. Simply type in your address and send a pre-drafted letter to the House and Senate in just a few seconds. We encourage members to take action now so your voice is heard to prevent layoffs, employer bankruptcies, and supply chain issues that could severely impact the demolition and construction industry. In addition, NDA is committed to ensuring that our member companies are not impacted by any forced closures or quarantines. We support reasonable efforts to mitigate the spread of COVID-19, but policymakers need to understand that demolition and recycling are essential functions that need to remain open. To that effect, NDA is lobbying the Trump administration to ensure they are educated on the essential nature of demolition work. Lastly, NDA is currently compiling all of the resources available from OSHA, the CDC, and other regulatory agencies to assist members with compliance issues and dealing with the pandemic. We want to make sure members have the most up-to-date information and resources, so visit demolitionassociation.com for the latest updates. We hope everyone stays safe and healthy. Thank you.